Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. I was born in one of the coldest places on earth. It's called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I was a surprise child. And there wasn't a lot of money, and there wasn't a lot of patience. I was about 12. And I left home. There really wasn't a place for me, and I needed to find a place. I got on the street as a kid. As time went on, I started to learn how to box, and I learned how to amateur wrestle. And it's just by accident I got into pro wrestling. So someone just didn't show up in the Winnipeg arena for a professional wrestling match. And the promoter, he said to me, I can get you 25 bucks if you want to fight this guy, but it's pro and you'll lose your amateur status. <laughs> Not a problem. Back in those days, you know, it was like 300 people in the garage. There was nothing. And, uh... The guy that I went against was Larry the Axe Henny. <laughs> he was 320-pound Viking. Another 167-pound bagpipe blower. And to this day, I got in the ring. It's the shortest match in the history of the Winnipeg Arena. He beat me in 10 seconds. When I got back to the dressing room, I thought the promoter was going to cheat me out of my $25. And he come in and he says, Kid, you did great. How'd you like to go to Kansas City? <laughs> I never stopped pro wrestling from that day. This is very important to what I'm going to tell you. You see, I didn't have a family. I was desperate for a family. Holy cow. That void got filled with the profession of wrestling. I was 22 years old. There was another young man. He was 22 years old. The name that he wrestled under was Adrian Adonis. There was a chemistry with us. I really loved them. And... Adrian believed that I was his brother. It was, uh, it was a match made in heaven as far as a best friend. I gotta bring you up to 1984. The WWF used to do three weeks of television in Poughkeepsie, New York. It, it was three weeks of hell. 
you had uh, 50, 60 of the top best in the world pro wrestling, some of the best fights. It was nuts. It was nuts. I was a bad guy wrestler. That particular time in my life was extremely hard. My daughter had just been born. The pressure, the travel. And I'm getting in a tip with one guy and with another guy. I'm not getting along with anybody, and it's mostly my fault. And I was having a terrible time. And we're in this building in Poughkeepsie, and I'm yelling, and I'm throwing chairs, and it's just frustration. And Adrian comes up to me, and he says, Pipes, stop it. Come here. And he says, I'll tell you what's wrong with you, Roddy. He says, you need to buy a house. You've never lived any place. You don't have nothing. You never settled down. You got a baby, and you're all over the place. You need to buy a house. Listen to me. And he was real intent on listening to me. Probably within two months, I had had a house because of Adrian Adonis. And he was right. It fed into that void for me. Everything kind of calmed down. You know, I didn't get in so much trouble. Sometime later, Adrian Adonis was in Newfoundland driving back from an event with three other wrestlers in the car. And in Newfoundland, it's just very high, rockish roads, and they don't know if it was a moose or something, and, you know, try to avoid, and boom. They, they, uh, went over. Um, and uh, all of them died. Everybody died. Times got ugly after that. I wasn't home. The industry was very difficult. I'd be on the road with X number of days. At nighttime, when I wasn't there, stuff would start to happen. One night, my one daughter, Ariel, she woke up. And she'd say that a man was looking at her. Colt saw shadows. And he would hear things, and he was like the little protector of the house, but he was so scared. I'm on the road. I'm getting this from my wife on the phone. And she just was getting all out of kilter. One night, I'm coming home from the airport. It's about five, six o'clock in the evening. I pull in the driveway, and there's my son, Colt. He's just trembling. He's He's so scared. And all he can say is, I saw a man in the house. And he saw the man go past the glass as I pulled in. And he could hardly get anything. 
out. My son's telling me that somebody was inside my house. And I came in that house as a dad. And I can see the door of the lodge open about this much. I came there to take care of this matter. There's a huge fireplace. Two logs had come down, and the carpet in front of the fireplace was on fire. My house was burning down. I took care of the fire. And I look up, and there was a man. I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? Just all of a sudden, it's like a reveal. It was Adrian Adonis. It's Adrian. Adrian looks at me, not screaming at me, he says, Hey, Rod. Hey, Rod. Secure your house, Sam. And then there was nothing. But, but then I, I just stood there for a long time. I didn't want to leave. I did. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to leave the fireplace. I stayed there for the longest time, and I never seen him before that, nor since. When I walked in there, Adrian Adonis was there, and that's a fact. And that damn carpet was burning, too. That house would have been burning down. There's no doubt in my mind that my brother was just, uh, was just taking care of me, as he had many, many times before. It's interesting. The waking up of Ariel, the shadows that Colt saw, and there were always when I wasn't there. Uh, I do believe that Adrian was just watching over my family. And you can say whatever you want to, you know. But Adrian... <laughs> was my brother. And he told me to get that house. Howdy, guys. This is Montana Jordan, a cult specialist, paranormal and parapsychological researcher, and independent consultant. And you are listening to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, with my good friend, the amazing Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay.
guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, January 15th, 2024, episode 312. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, glad to be back in the hot seat. And it is cold over here. Jeez. I think with the wind chill last night, they got down to negative 35. Yeah, it's cold over here in the States. You got to start your car, make sure it cranks, keep it a little bit warm in the middle of the night, right? And then crank it in the morning, warm it up, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's cold. <laughs> and we got so much snow. Jeez, so much snow. Looks like winter came all at one time. You know, Arctic uh, blast along with whatever. Inches upon inches upon inches of snow. Wow. But we'll live. And so with that, what else we got here? As far as uh, announcements are concerned. Uh, yeah, tomorrow, Tuesday, Aaron's Hardest Show, there will not be a new episode. Looks like his whole family is sick. Yeah, he wasn't in uh, last week and this week. You know, hopefully they get better. This Wednesday, there will be a new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments with Mr. Terry from Texas. And, of course, this Friday, as usual, short films and the video of My Paranormal Experience. Yeah, last week we didn't release an episode of that. But this week, we do have a new episode for you. So look for that. And so, let's get into the fires, guys. Yeah, we're going to do more listener stories yet again. And you guys know what that means. Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. To the story, then. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving. And the fires are going nice and toasty over here. Thank God. You guys know the deal. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner. Find an empty spot on the floor. And as you guys are doing that, get behind my desk here okay and i printed off Britt's packet if you're listening Britt thank you very much let's see what stories she picked out for us today hmm okay it looks like we got uh, two medium ones and a long one all right let me take a sip of my green tea real quick mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man so good when it hits the lips all right the first one this one is by lamb and it's titled something in the closet okay lamb let's see what you got man so this happened when i was around seven years old it was me my brother and sister we all lived in indiana at the time i'm not sure exactly what town it was but we lived out in the country in the middle of nowhere We lived with an old lady. I'm not sure who she really was. She was a friend of my dad's, I guess. Well, anyways, one night, me, my brother, and sister were in bed. We all had to share the same room and the same bed as well. I'm the oldest, by the way. My brother was six and my sister was four at the time. So, while we were in bed, I decided it was fun to try and scare my brother and sister by telling them scary stories. And they got upset and went and told the lady we lived with. She was in the living room watching TV at the time. So, when they went and told her, she had me sleep separate in her daughter's room. Her daughter was staying the night at a friend's that night. I think it was Friday night when this happened. I can't really remember exactly, but I know it was a weekend. When she had me sleep in her daughter's room, it was pitch black. The only light in that room was from the moon, and the moonlight was only on my bed. That was it. Now, at the time, I wasn't afraid of the dark, so I wasn't thinking about monsters under my bed or anything. 
When I was laying there, I was starting to fall asleep when I heard what sounded like something tapping against a glass jar in the closet, or something glass. After that, I was wide awake, and I thought, well, it's probably my imagination. I tried to go back to sleep, and then all of a sudden, I heard a man in the closet trying to whisper to me, but loud enough for me to hear it. Now, there were no men that lived there. At the time, my brother was the only male that lived there, and obviously he was six, so he didn't sound like a man. My father was up in Michigan at the time working. The man in the closet said, Hey you, come here. I don't know if I was brave or stupid, but I got up in the pitch black and went to look in the closet and didn't see anything. So then I decided to turn on the light and looked again, and nothing was in there. I looked everywhere after that, under the bed, etc., etc. I didn't find anybody. I was extremely freaked out by this. So I went in the living room and told the lady we lived with that there was a man in the closet. And of course, she didn't believe me. At that point, I started crying and was freaking out and kept telling her that I wasn't going in there and that I heard someone in the closet. After a few minutes, she finally told me that I could sleep in the same room my brother and sister was in. Ever since then, I've been afraid of the dark, and I'm 30 now. My fear of the dark has gotten better, but I do still get scared sometimes. Thank you for reading. And that's from Lamb. Lamb. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for sharing. I loved it. This is what I call a, a fun story. Um, you know, I, I what I think, I try to debunk things all the time, but um, even to this day, it must have been really scary for you because, you know, you're 30 now, and it's stuck with you. So it, it, it was probably pretty real to you. But, uh, you know, like you said in the story, you're starting to fall asleep. You're probably pretty drowsy. And, uh, you know, things can, in a child's mind, you know, you're young, you can hear things or even see things sometimes. That's what I think happened. So, you know, you didn't mention that, you know, you live there. So anything happened after that? Or is that the first time? It sounds like this is the first time. So, yeah, I don't know. It could be. You just never know. I, I remember when I was younger, oh, man, my dad said I could watch The Exorcist. And um, I don't know what age I was, maybe six, you know, something like that. You know, the age where you don't really know what's going on. You can't really follow a movie, but you're just watching the imagery. Well, later that night, you know, I, went, I was freaked out about that, that uh, movie, you know, the possession of that girl and, you know, how she... Uh, became deformed and all the other stuff that's going on i remember i was uh, going to sleep that night you know obviously in my bedroom and you know the lights i always sleep with the lights off i was never afraid of the dark but later on that evening yeah you know, my imagination uh, went wild i kept on seeing that uh, that little girl's uh, deformed face floating around in the room <laughs> so you know stuff like that can happen yeah lamp thank you again for uh sharing you know, it's a fun story. All right, what's next? What do we got? This one is by J.D. and is titled, Warning Signs. Okay, J.D., 
see what you got, man. I was born in Washington, D.C. and lived in an old home in a neighborhood near an area called Mount Pleasant. My parents were renting the basement to a couple who recently came to this country and their three small girls. I was a small child, so I'm remembering this story as it was told by my mother and sister, both now deceased. The story I'm about to tell you happened in 1961. One day, the father was supposed to be watching the three girls while the mother was at work and left them unattended while he ran an errand. The eldest girl started a fire in both the basement and part of the first floor became engulfed in flames. Unfortunately, the three girls were killed and the house sustained enough damage to force my family out until repairs could be made. My parents were working when the fire broke out and my sister and brother were at the movies. I was being taken care of by my godmother. The house was ultimately repaired and we moved back in. Living there another three years before my parents sold it and moved to the suburbs. Years later, I remember my mother telling us a story about the weird occurrences that went on just days prior to the fire. She said that for three straight nights before the fire, there was knocking on our front door during the evening. The weird part was that the screen door was locked so it would have been impossible for someone to knock on the door itself. My mother and sister also claimed that they remember something knocking on their bedroom doors at night again for three days before the fire. My mother was a very religious woman from Mexico and firmly believed in the paranormal, as did my sister. When I was four, right before we moved out of the house, my sister, brother, a family friend, and myself were home one night when scraping noises could be heard coming from downstairs. It sounded like the furniture was being pushed around on the concrete floor. By this time, there was no one living in the basement. The noises became very loud, and we all went running, screaming, and crying upstairs. My sister called our neighbor, and he called the police. Nothing out of the ordinary was ever found. My sister also said she remembers hearing the laughter of small children when she would be ironing downstairs. And... My dad said he would often get blasts of cold air shooting through him when he was in his workshop down there. We moved out in 1965 and the house is still there. The neighborhood has gone through a huge transformation and we've always wondered if those little girls are still there or have finally found peace. Love RPA. Keep reading. And man, that's from JD. JD, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. Yeah, it's tragic. Yeah, you hear about this every once in a while, you know. There's some uh, tragedy that happened in a house, and uh, sometimes, you know, they don't leave for whatever reason. Yeah, spooky about uh, supposedly warning signs, but a lot of a lot of sounds, right? Uh, three days before the fire broke out. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, JD, thank you again for sharing. Loved it. Were those sounds warning signs or not? Who knows? Coincidence? Who knows? Yeah, it sounds like it was pretty peaceful around there until, um, yeah, three days beforehand, uh, you know, obviously a, a deadly fire broke out. Hmm. All right, what's next? What do we got? This is by CB, and it's titled Newport Naval Base. Okay, CB, 
see what you got, man. From 1980 to 1984, my father was stationed in Newport, Rhode Island, and we resided in officers' quarters on Coasters Harbor Island. There were only a few houses on this small island, which also included the War College, officers' barracks, gym, marina, library, and officers' club. I was 10 to 14 years old at the time, and was the only child at home as my two older siblings were away in college. I don't know any history of the house we lived in. It was Quarters H on Brainbridge Road, a duplex at the end of the row of houses. It was a two-story home, also with a basement. Had steam heat and appeared fairly old. Again, I'm not sure of the age or history. My room was on the second floor facing north and east. I had several unexplained sightings at the house all in my bedroom, and all at night. The first sighting I had was about a year into our stay. I woke during the night, and kneeling at the foot of my bed was an old lady that was resting her head on her arms on my bed. She looked to be over 80 years, white hair pulled into a bun, and wearing a long white dress. When I woke and sat up in my bed, I remember being so scared, but not able to say anything. And as I sat up, she stayed kneeling, but lifted her head to look at me. I moved my legs away from her and screamed, which caused her to stand, turn away from me, and move away from my bed towards my closet. My scream caused my mother to come into my room and upon her entrance, the lady was gone. I explained what had happened to my mother, who suggested that I was dreaming. Later, not sure how many weeks or months had passed, I woke again in the night to find the same lady standing in my room. She was positioned on the far side of my room, again, near my closet, but looking over at me as I laid in my bed. I sat up in bed and looked at her, trying to figure out if I was dreaming or not. She looked exactly the same, old, white hair pulled back, and wearing a flowing white dress, something from the 1800s. She didn't move or sway, but rather stood there looking at me. One thing has stuck with me all these years was that one of her hands was holding a white cloth. I didn't see it in the previous encounter, but this time it was very noticeable. As before, I screamed, and again, my mother came into my room to comfort me. I don't recall what happened to the lady after I screamed. I just know that she was gone when my mother entered. The next morning, my mother asked me to explain what I had seen, and I shared the aforementioned. I also connected the lady to the first encounter. My mother did not react either way, but stood her ground that I was dreaming. The strangest situation happened one night in 1982. It was a school night and my parents had put me to bed, I assume around 8.30 p.m. I was a huge Los Angeles Lakers fan and they were playing the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA championship, missing it by going to bed at that time. I had a radio in my room, so after my parents left the room, 
I would turn it on very low and listen to the game. That night, my father caught me listening to the game and directed me to turn it off and go to sleep. The second time, my mother, who was the disciplinarian, came to the room and threatened me with restriction if I didn't turn it off and go to bed. Being a 12-year-old and a significant fan of the Lakers, I took the risk again, turned it on. This time, for whatever reason, the station was all static. I hadn't had that problem all night and don't recall ever not being able to tune into the channel. But regardless what I did with the antenna or turning the dial, I couldn't get a signal to listen to the game. I recall having a restless night of sleep, waiting to find out the next morning who won the game. I had several more encounters after these, all in my room and all at night. In these, the lady was always kneeling at the foot of my bed, but I never saw her rise or move again. She just seemed to be overlooking me, as if I was ill or injured. I mentioned this to my parents recently, and my mother does recall these incidents, but nothing of detail. She mentioned as well hearing noises from time to time when she was home alone. She thought that someone was walking around upstairs, but wrote it off to the sounds of the radiators or creaking of an old house. I have tried to find out if any other occupiers of Quarters H on Coasters Harbor Island ever experienced what I had, but the military was of little help. I was able to visit the base and went by the house to speak with the current tenants to ask if they had any experiences. But unfortunately, the house was vacant and I couldn't validate my experiences. I have read some experiences of the old naval hospital and the war college, but nothing else. I have always been a skeptic, but what I experienced felt incredibly real and, at the very least, makes me want to know more. Thank you. And man, that's from CB. CB, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is somewhat unique to me because um, I think this is the first time I've ever read about how someone actually sees an apparition for a long period of time, it seems like. Normally, you know, they get a glimpse of it walking by a doorway or walking through the living room and then it just slowly dissipates you know, very quickly. But what you're describing here, I mean, this old lady is kneeling by your bed with her head in her, in her arms on your bed. <laughs> it actually gets up and walks away on the first time going to the closet. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think. Yeah, it must have been uh, very creepy. Well, your mom heard some sounds while she's home alone during the day, but... You know, again, like she said, it could be just about anything, old house. And yeah, it's too bad uh, you couldn't speak with any tenants that was living there. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Well, who knows, CB? But thank you very much for sharing. Interesting story. Okay, and well, that's it, guys. That is all the stories that Britt has picked out. And as always, we're flattered that you come and visit us over here at the RPA Network, and I'm hoping you're continuing to find something you like, right? And you can always go to realparanormalactivity.com and watch and listen there, or use the free RPA app if you don't have the app. 
Just go to your app store and do a search for Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast slash network, and download it for free. Stream anytime, anywhere. Or go anywhere else you find your podcasts, such as Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc., etc. And if you want to support the RPA network, you can become a premium member. It's only $3.99 a month. Cancel anytime, get one month. Hey, that'll help us out. And what you get is all the previous RPA Monday episodes, listener stories, bonus episodes, interviews, and also audiobooks of folklore from cultures from around the world. $3.99. Go to realparanormalactivity.com. Big old button there that says get premium access and set up your account today. And with that, I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself in Britain and also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man... We love you. Oh, yeah, we do. As always, thank you, and good night.